Hey, everyone. I'm Rima Khreis, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a podcast from Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. So apparently, about half of U.S. households carry some amount of credit card debt. The average balance is about 6000 That kind of debt is typically something people go through alone, usually silently. But this week, we've got a story about a group of people trying to change that by turning to a very ancient text, the Bible, to fix this very modern problem. Our producer, Peter Balanon-Rosen, has been working on this story. So this week, I'm handing off the episode to him. Growing up, there were two constants in Caroline Butcher's life, church and dance. One felt like an obligation, and the other felt like her calling. I don't really do much else besides dance and teach and read about dance and watch dance and think about it. Her dream was to become a rockhead. She took dance classes six nights a week, anything to get better. But growing up as the daughter of a pastor, a lot of Caroline's time went to the church. I remember in high school one time there was a... um, there was a Thursday night ballet class that I really wanted to take. I also I already had tap on Thursday nights, and I wanted to stay later and take ballet right after. It would have been her third ballet class of the week, but it was the same night as Christian Youth Group, and her dad made her go to that, which Caroline resented. Because even though she tried, she could never muster the same passion and unwavering belief in God that the rest of her family had. I saw it being so real in my dad and my mom, watching my dad preach every Sunday and seeing him cry, and I'm being like, why don't I feel that? I just don't feel it. When Caroline finally left home to go to college, she was free to dance as much as she wanted. She even majored in it, focusing on modern dance. But when she graduated college, making a living as a dancer was tougher than she expected. It was a lot of... Bartending and waitressing and trying to... um, piece together a living to support my dancing. Living in Philly, she was constantly running from gig to gig, trying to dance and pay the bills. It was tough, and she was barely scraping by, making about 14K a year. But she was proud she could call herself a real dancer, even if she wasn't making a ton of money. But then, just after New Year's 2015, all that changed. At her friend's birthday party. He wanted to go ice skating. Great, let's all go ice skating. Never really ice skated before. She's like, I'm a dancer, I got this. Exactly. So she laced up, hit the ice, a bit wobbly, but she was out there. I'd made it the whole hour. In the last, like, three minutes, I wipe out. One leg shot out in front of her, and the other twisted and bent behind. And she landed on her ankle, hard. Caroline felt this sharp pain. Just, like, searing. I couldn't move it. Her friends carried her off the ice and took her home. Caroline could barely walk. I'm laying on the couch, sobbing, alone, in the dark, knowing that, in my gut, that this was going to be bad. She was right. She'd broken her ankle. Caroline was teaching part-time at her old college, dancing with two companies, and teaching jazz and modern four hours a week at a studio. She literally relied on her body to make a living. And now she couldn't use it. One studio I was at fired me because I walked in on crutches and she was like, oh, you're fired. Um, She actually fired me through an email. It was a nightmare. No job security or medical leave. 
but Caroline still had to pay the bills, buy friends birthday gifts, stock the fridge. So she did what many of us do when money's tight. I can't afford groceries? Great, put it on the credit card. Caroline told herself she'd just use her credit card to get over this little hump. And then once she was working again, she'd pay it all off. Thinking that, you know, I'm always choreographing a musical at a school in the fall and the spring, and I always get a lump sum. So I'm like, okay, I'll just put that towards the credit card debt. She was still teaching at the college, and eventually she picked up a couple choreography gigs, but nothing stable. And she kept using her credit card for daily expenses. Like, swipe the card, quick, put it in my wallet and walk away. Like, literally try to ignore it. (laughs) And are you looking at your credit card as like, oh, my little helper, thank God that you're here. Yeah, totally. Thinking that, you know, once I get paid for this gig, I'll pay that part once I get paid for that gig. And it just, it wasn't going down. With a 21% interest rate, her balance piled up every month. Caroline would pay the minimum, about $130, shut the computer, and ignore it. Her debt was her problem, her secret. She didn't want to ask friends or family for money and be a burden. Plus, she felt that would mean admitting she wasn't making it as a dancer. I felt too ashamed to ask. But her balance just grew and grew and grew. I didn't even realize it was so big until, like, it got too big where I couldn't ignore it. What number was that? Uh, Like 4,000. For some people, $4,000 may not sound like a huge amount. But for Caroline... That was more than she had in savings. I just thought, well, this is, this is it. This is to the end. I'm going to have this awful cycle of spending money, paying a little bit. You know, it's like, this is my life. This is what I've signed up for. And I had resigned to the fact of having this debt. The debt made her super anxious. Plus, she was still dealing with her ankle. It had been six months, and it still wasn't fully healed. The thought of not being a dancer was crushing. I tried to, you know, party, and I tried to just numb out and watch TV. All of these things to not feel so bad. Feeling overwhelmed and alone, Caroline looked for comfort in the one place she never expected to. After about a year, probably, what I ended up doing was turning around, facing God, and saying, this is how I'm feeling, and I'm Honestly, like, I want nothing to do with you, but there's nowhere else to go. After years of avoiding religion, Caroline went to church. A church called Circle of Hope. I went there with her. And what she likes about this church is that it encourages people to question scripture and doubt God's intentions. And no one pressures you to participate. Nobody had said that to me before in a church service. Nobody had said I could just sit there and not do anything, which is at that time all I wanted to do. Like it was a big, it was a big deal for me to just be in the church anyway. Caroline could be angry, she could be in debt, she could be herself and still be at church. And this church, it had an unusual solution for her money problems. That's after the break.
Three years after Caroline broke her ankle, she was back to building a career as a dance teacher. But it was hard. Any hour of the week, she'd be rushing from one dance job to another, a mix of teaching, choreography, and other dance rehearsals. The money was never enough to pay off her debt. She was also going to church twice a week, and she heard the church was getting a few people together and actually loaning them money to pay off credit card debt, interest-free. Honestly, I was like, all right, what's the hook? You know, what's the catch? Because this is too crazy. This is too good to be true to know that, yes, I'll I'll owe the church money, but you're going to pay my credit? You're going to write a check to my credit card from the church? Who does that? Credit card debt comes when people are usually in some kind of crisis or emergency, and they the resources that they have access to are corporations who charges them interest at an exorbitant rate. That's Joshua Grace, a former pastor at Circle of Hope. He created this group called the Debt Annihilation Team. It's an anonymous group where people help each other pay off their credit card debt. How it all works is a little complicated, so stick with me. First, you get a group of three to five people together. And to kick things off, the church, with about 10K, pays off a couple of their cards. So, poof, that debt, it's now gone. And then everyone, even the people whose cards are paid off, pool money together each month to all pay to one person's card. People keep making their own minimum payments, but any extra money, it all goes to that card. Every month, till it's all paid off. Then they do that with another card, and another, till everyone's debt is gone. Then they pay back the church for the money it fronted. This whole thing can take like two years. And everyone still pays their debt, but instead of paying Visa or MasterCard, people pay the group, which means people pay off their cards quickly and save hundreds on interest. And when you beat the interest is where you save the money. Joshua's idea was that by fronting church members' money, they could avoid paying high interest rates, and the community as a whole would save money in the end. He says this idea comes from something called Sabbath economics. The economic systems that God intended for, they're meant to to design community health and wellness. Sabbath economics interprets the Christian Bible as an economic text, as well as a spiritual one. And it creates this religious alternative to capitalism. According to Sabbath economics, God created a world of abundance with enough for everyone. So it's a community's job to help one another and create systems to dismantle inequalities between the haves and the have-nots. Basically, it's another form of wealth redistribution. So you don't have this this compounding wealth for some and compounding inequity and poverty for others. Which isn't a revolutionary idea, per se. But followers of Sabbath economics say the Bible backs up their theory. Like in the Old Testament, right after the Jews left slavery in Egypt, they're wandering in the desert and coming up with rules for a new society. Like the Sabbath, the day for rest, something you might be familiar with. But then also this thing called the Jubilee. Every 49 years, slaves are freed, everyone's debts are forgiven, and property gets returned to its original owners. The idea is to keep wealth from being hoarded by only a few people, while others are left with nothing. God's love for people, it's, it's not based on their 
um, success within this financial system that we live under, but it's, it's about helping us all become one again, you know? Which is where the debt annihilation team comes in. The church has been running this program for more than a decade, and it's helped over 20 people get rid of more than $100,000 of debt, which sounds kind of wild. But the church wants to do more, help more people. So on a Saturday morning in January, Caroline went to a meeting at the church for people who wanted to enter the debt annihilation team. It would be her and two others. She was told that if she joined the group, no one else in the church would know. And there were three big rules. Rule number one, she could no longer use her credit card. It was scary because my credit card was the backup. It was the safety. It was like, if all else fails, I have that. Rule number two, even when her own personal debt was paid, she had to stay until everyone's debt was paid off. And rule number three, there were mandatory monthly dinners where she was expected to talk about her money issues, which for Caroline seemed like the hardest part. The level of vulnerability and openness that I knew I was willingly stepping into, that was scary to me. I mean, were you worried that having debt kind of said something specific about who you were? Yeah, yeah, that I was um, irresponsible and and I didn't work hard enough and, you know, I don't make good choices. She felt a lot of shame around her debt and hated to talk about it. You know, this thing that I had been trying to hide from myself, now I not only have to verbalize it, but now I have to share it with other people. Yeah, that's so scary. <laughs> it is scary. And I just, you know, I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want to be misunderstood. But then the church leaders pulled out a spreadsheet with everyone's financial information. They said that money from the church would pay off Caroline's debt immediately. And I saw that. And I was like, that's kind of that's amazing. <laughs> She'd keep up her $130 monthly payments, but make them to another member of the group. Caroline thought, maybe... I could get this credit card cleared out and pay back the church without interest. Like, I'd much rather do that than pay back the man. <laughs> so she agreed to the church's terms. They weren't legally binding, so she could technically walk away at any point. The whole system just relied on a trust that she wouldn't. We signed an agreement that we were in it. We were going to do this thing. Caroline went home threw her credit card in a drawer. And a few weeks later, she got an email from the church. They'd paid off her full balance. So she immediately logs into her account. And I remember seeing it on my computer screen, on my, you know, online banking. And it was, it felt like a second chance. But it also doesn't really change your lifestyle because now you still have to make the same monthly True. payments, True. but now you're just directing them elsewhere. True, yeah. So my monthly payment literally goes to one of the other members' credit cards. Which means? Typing in his account number to a different bank, his name is on it, and my money's going to him. How did it feel the first time you had to do that? It felt kind of cool. That kind of grounded me in, in the sense of this is what community is, helping each other because we're being helped by the church. After being in the group for just a few months, things were looking up for Caroline. She met with a financial coach and came up with a budget. She cut expenses and started saving. But rule number one, not using her credit card, that turned out to be kind of hard. Like recently, when her car broke down. It was this rainy night, and she was driving from a teaching job to dance rehearsal. 
When she got to this hill, her car just wouldn't go. So the next day, Caroline brought it to her mechanic, and he said it was going to cost 900 bucks to fix. So this was a moment where, you know, a year ago, it would have been easy. Put it on the credit card, and I'll deal with it later. Um, so this was a moment where I was like, well, I have that money in savings, and that really, like, it just, just sucks. That 900 bucks, it was a huge chunk, over a quarter of her savings. When you put it on the card, it's like all abstract. It's just kind of the numbers are floating out there. But handing them this wad of cash that I know is like almost $1,000, it's just, <laughs> uh, I could cry thinking about it, but yeah. Because I worked so hard for that money. Like I work 12-hour days and I'm still struggling. It would have been so much easier to just pay for the car on her credit card. But then she'd be breaking her contract with the church. So she paid up in cash. Church leaders say it's a slippery slope between bending any of their rules and bending the rule to pay others' debt, which has happened. And people have gotten kicked out of the group. So they're strict about all the little things, like making sure everyone shows up to monthly dinners. What's for dinner? <laughs> Lasagna. <laughs> it's 6 p.m. on a Friday night. Caroline's hosting the church group's monthly dinner at her South Philly row home. They start with a prayer. Um, dear Lord, we're so thankful that we have the time to gather together. We pray Everyone gathers on a mix of chairs and couches under a framed painting of a ballerina. They're church leaders there, financial coaches, plus Caroline and other group participants. So I guess, how is everybody feeling about their money? Any stories, anything to share since we last met? Caroline shares what happened to her car. I, I had like a meltdown because it just sometimes feels like three steps forward, five steps back. Like you put money in savings and I got to shove it all out to my car. And then, you but know, the group was proud. Like, a leader congratulated her for saving enough to cover the repair. These dinners, they're turning not just paying off debt, but the act of saving money, living within your means which is usually super hidden and personal, it's taking all that and turning it into this big social act. But there's something hanging over the meeting tonight. One of the participants decided last minute not to come, which is a big deal. It goes against the group's rules. I think, like, we probably should talk about that the next meeting um, when she's here. What do you guys think? I, to me, it's understandable. But I think it's good to make a big deal about any time that we haven't kept our agreements because it, it, uh, when we don't keep our agreements, the integrity of the group can be compromised. Everyone agrees to sit on it till next time. Then they get into the nitty-gritty of their money. They're nearly done paying off the final person's debt. He keeps his own spreadsheets, which shows they should be totally through by January, 12 months after they started. Then the group will make payments to the church for the money it loaned up front. At 7.30, the meeting comes to a close. Uh, Well, I'll just say a little prayer, and then we'll head out. God, we're thankful for your abundance, for each other, and for your example in your son of uh, trying to love one another. We ask that you would pray for those who aren't with us tonight, those who are still struggling in debt, Amen.
Caroline said, yeah, the money she's gotten from being a part of this group, it's helped. But the group has also changed how she thinks. Any sort of group that you're in is going to help change your mindset from a me to a, a us. When I first joined, it was like, okay, my debt and my failures and my you know shortcomings and blah, 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 blah. But being a part of this community is turning my focus outward a little bit. And so that shame she felt, it's different now. The meetings have helped her become more comfortable talking about her debt. And she brings up what happened when I followed her to church with a big microphone. I didn't know you were going to ask me questions at the service, too. Gotcha. Um, so people were like, why is Caroline being interviewed? So they went up and asked her. And she decided to talk about it, share that she's a member of the church's anonymous debt group. And I'm like, well, it's kind of ripping off the band-aid. Like, yes, I'm in debt and I'm part of the debt annihilation team at Circle of Hope. Having it, like, <laughs> forced upon me um, and surviving and being fine. And like, yeah, I'm part, of the, I'm part of the debt annihilation team. It's pretty cool. What's so radical about the church's system to pay off debt is that God doesn't actually have to be a part of it. It's really just a community helping each other out. And that can mean a lot when you're up against a financial institution happy to charge interest and keep debt mounting for someone like Caroline. Caroline's looking forward to the day her group finishes paying the church back, when she'll finally be debt-free. And then she hopes to go to grad school and become a full-time dance professor to get her money right. That's all for this week's episode. But before we go, just want to share a quick update with y'all. We're actually nearing the end of our season. Next week is our last episode until we come back next year. But in the meantime, we'll drop a couple small things in the feed and we'll re-air a few of our favorites. This episode of This is Uncomfortable was reported by Peter Balanon-Rosen. Our show is produced by me, Rima Hres, and Haley Hirschman. Our senior producer is Megan Dietrich. Editing by Sarah Kramer. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Luna Danish is our intern. Charlton Thorpe is our audio engineer. Sotara Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. And Deborah Clark is the senior vice president and general manager of Marketplace. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right, catch y'all next week.